Yo, entrepreneurs! thanks for tuning into the podcast. This is the place to help you start and build a disruptive brand and impact the universe. You're locked into the grind where we give you the inside track, what goes on behind the scenes while we start our new business. Hopefully you'll learn what it takes to launch a successful brand as we share our learnings with you. I'm Matt Thorne, aka Sketchy Media. I'm Phil Kemish, aka Phil Kemish. And I'm Nish Solanke, just Nish Solanke. On this episode of The Grind, we're talking about how to make your business defensible. We talk about patterns, systems, and just generally how to build a cocktail that nobody else can sip from. Let's get right into it. Back in business. Back to back, back to that. Phil's got his black hat. Yes. What's the crack? Kicking off with some bars. I'll tap. tap. You'll tap, this is yeah. Crack on. We're back in, back in, back in. So we've been going through, uh, had quite an interesting week. Been seeing a lot of people about uh, early investment into the business, doing our little pitch, getting our little patter down, you know. Has taking, there been one? Out. Has there been any consistent feedback? The one thing that's really, really interesting, this will be the the sole topic of today's episode is how to make your business defensible. It's the one question that, it's almost like the only question that people can ask when they don't know what else to ask you about (laughs) your business. So we're taking it as a positive, right? It's like, how do you make a bit? Okay, so you've answered all the questions, but how's it defensible? It's uh, it's like a bit of a sucker punch question, but it's really it's really valid. What do they kind of mean by that? How do you protect it? How do you protect it from other people doing it, copying it? Okay, look at like this example. Uber came out and was not even the first one of that kind of ilk, but now look how many there is. Like Captain, there's Lyft. There's what the other one's called, like we, but we bolt and we just we just switch in between it's, them. It's a frustrating question, right? Because I truly believe that no business is truly, truly defensible, right? There's obviously things that you can do that make it hard to compete with. There are things you can do, you know, like with patents and things, which do make it so that other people genuinely can't copy your business. Take Nespresso, for example. They patented the capsule thing. No one else could make Nespresso's capsule, but guess what? That patent ran out. And now look, everyone uh, can make Nespresso machines. Amazon had pa- patented the one-click shop. They did, So yeah. they were the only company that were allowed and had able to use the technology of the... You know, like when you go to Amazon, you're just like, I'll buy that. Yeah, I'll buy one that. One-click shop. One-click, and it just like, it happens on your doorstep and the next yeah. day. They had that. No one else had that. Now it's, now it's available they to They patented the process of being able to store and recall card details in That's one sick. click. That's sick. So... That's a solution to making something defensible. So that is defensible for no, a, is, a yeah, period of yeah. time. That is defensible. Yeah. So what, what I'm trying to say is it's a very frustrating question because there are exceptions. There's always exceptions. But by whole, I don't believe that any business is uh, defensible. And yeah. the main question that this gets posed about is the natural thing to do is to look at your biggest competitors and say, oh, well, competitor X, they're a big company. What happens if they come in and did this? And I think that's actually a really easy question to answer because it's, well, why the fuck aren't they, for one? And two, you know, these big companies, they can't turn on a sixpence like we can, you know? And, and I think being, that's why we're startups. They don't want to take on this big challenge. You know, they're stuck in their ways. I've said this before about uh, businesses being stuck in their ways. It's why they get disrupted. It's also the risk, I assume, as well, that comes the with it. Hi- higher, higher risk. So Money they, to capital to go into that space, teams to innovate that space. Like, it's a lot for it's, big business. It's, it's a lot. I just ask, like, 
who is asking that question? So who have you gone to? This, does it mainly come from investors? Well, anybody that investors? we're pitching the business to from an investor point of view, even a partnership point of view, because one of the things that we're having to go out with and talk to our partners about is, you know, and it's something that will make our business defensible, believe it or not, is can we do like exclusive deals with you guys? Can we have like, you are contracted to us and you can't, you know, work with anybody else that comes into this space. That's a way of making it defensible. It's like your business contracts. And obviously other people are, you know... I guess the technology in some respect is defensible if you get good enough technology. Not saying that that's one of our ones, but like, you know, I guess from a certain respect, maybe a company like Dyson, the technology in the patents and the IP was protectable, so they couldn't, no one else could do what they did. So that's a way of protecting your business. If your technology is completely yours and no one else can replicate it easily. But as Matt will say, most technology can be replicated at the end of the day, anybody can almost build anything with the right development resource. And what's really interesting about this and one of the things that we hope can be defensible is not necessarily just the technology, it's the system. It's like how complex the operational system behind our technology is that makes our solution happen. It's something that's not easily um, easy to replicate. And what I, look, we've spent days looking at this because it's the one question that came up and Ultimately, I don't believe there is one thing that makes you defensible. There are the obvious uh, exceptions, which is, you know, the trademarking and IP stuff. But we've basically built like a cocktail, if you like, a cocktail of defensibility. And we've got four in our deck. And I, I think there's actually five. And I'll just list them off. There's the patent, which Phil touched on. Like if you've got things that and you've been granted a patent that no one else can do, that's defensible. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Complex design, which is the thing that um, we hope we're building with our system, making it not easy to replicate or, or rebuild. Unfair advantage, um, something that a lot of people look at Phil and I as, as two people with our marketing background is we have an unfair advantage in our competitors in the sense that we can get things to market, we can build audiences quite quickly through our experience, some of the relationships network, we've got yeah. and our network. So that's our kind of key unfair advantage, the fact that we've got potentially 5,000 influencers sat in our back pocket that we can call up and say, hey, here's a product, let's do a deal. That's something that, you know, another business may have to go to an agency on, put a load of overhead in. Um, and then I also think one that's rarely touched on is like the first mover advantage. Yeah. Us coming into this space early and first, 
I think if you look at the taxi landscape, Uber, you know, they're top of mind still because they came in first. There's only in the 22 immutable laws of marketing, there's only room for a number one and a number two. Everyone else falls off. At the moment, number two is being contested in the taxi world by a lot. Ultimately, only one of them is going to win because, you know, only one of them is going to be able to keep giving me free discount codes on my taxi until I go, yeah, you've got it. So that's, again, a capital requirement. Sounds sounds like quite a potent concoction cocktail right there, doesn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, but nice ultimately mix. it comes down to one thing. And I think the cocktail gets us to a flavoured drink, which is the brand. I, I love us. I love our ability. Ultimately, <laughs> this comes down to one thing. And, and we say this because we're brand builders. We're like, oh, it's our brand. It's our brand. And people are like, well, how? All of these things that we have thought about are going to come together to strengthen our brand. Yeah, and, and, th- and that's a long tail play, though. Yeah, it's it's a it's a long term. That play. that is a story you have to tell an investor of. We will invest in brand, and we will make this that in three years time, two years time. Generally, I will say three because we've done the research on our own brands that we worked on the agency. Three years is a tipping point that you have brand love. Yeah, three years of trying to build a relationship. You know. You know, you're not. Uh, maybe, the, maybe this is a, there's a relationship with like humans here as well. It's like you know, after you go after three, is it ten years of relationship? Ten years, your best friends are like. Three, I'd say three years. You're really into like the the, the better friends and deeper friends zone because Nish will get there soon. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Quite <laughs> worrying because after after, year, after three years, you start getting a bit bored. No, no it, feel, it feels. Like <laughs> That's what years. I'm worried about. Feels like ten years. We've done ten years worth of time, mate. We've done our ten thousand hours. Mm. No, so like I said, Matt's right. The brand you can't you can't rely on it, but definitely for us, we feel like the brand is something that will build a moat around when I say a moat again trying to make it defensible like how do we make it cooler how do we make it more credible how do we offer more rewards like how do we help the planet but, but like how do we, all those areas are things that tell you to help create a brand story and, and the, the thing that a brand story does and this is where I'm going with this is there's this flashy term that's being branded around and it's called but does it have network effects bro does your business have network effects yeah And actually, although it's an annoying statement, it actually is really valid because the things that are going to make this success uh, successful is can you be referred to people like are are you going to be able to quickly build something that's quite impenetrable from a network and customer point of view, which I mean, network effects can be driven by many things. But essentially what we want our brand to have is network effects, right? It's like you telling your friends about it or you inviting your friends on to get a referral code. There's, there's a few different ways that that can manifest, but that's almost like the holy grail. And I think if we get our brand right, it will create the network effects we need to make this, to build a real strong moat around the business. And I'll just read the four that we've got in our deck here, actually, because they're quite interesting. They were the, That was a theory I run through. So we've got awareness and activation, which is our kind of customer marketing network and our experience that we've got. We've got the technology, which, you know, can call it IP if you want to, but we will develop or we are developing some IP in not necessarily the technology and the software, but what happens with that technology software. Um, the first mover advantage, there's no one else really in this space. You could say that there's people that we're going against because there's people doing other versions of this, but we're coming in with a new system and a new process. So we're kind of first movers with a new system. And interestingly, we've put in here the positioning of our business, which is around the ethics and impact, which, yeah. it, you know, is uh, we believe that if we get this right and we have like institutions like the government on board supporting our business and, and that type of thing, we'll, being the first movers in this space, we'll lobby the right support from the right people, which will make it very difficult yeah. to come against us. Because the, the businesses that are, are in the industry at the moment have not come with that 
first and foremost, as in they're not sat there going, what is my environmental impact? How am I measuring it? What is the actual, that's not their, that's not their, their business. Our business from the beginning will be built with that in, in mind. Our DNA. It's in the DNA. So that's why that's in there because you can't add it and just pretend now. Yeah, you I know. And it's not it's just like about. Not, it's really, well, it's not green, is well, it? It's greenwashing. Well, we're not going to do it. It's not just about saying, oh, for every phone that gets sold and rebox, we're going to plant a tree. That's not where, that's not what this business is about. It's really about tackling the system that we're building is having a long term impact on the people and the planet, not just. We're selling and buying something and then donating something. So it's actually inbuilt into the system, which again, when you can see all these things come together, it becomes a pretty a pretty tall cocktail for somebody else to, to try and replicate. I mean, I came at this question, because I remember the other week when we were looking through the deck and that came up, I came across it in a very pessimistic point of view. And even sort of about half an hour ago, and we were just about to talk about this, I was thinking... What a shitty question to fucking ask anyone. But you actually, doubted the question, didn't you, Nick? But <laughs> actually, I think just the framework in itself really gets you to really think about the concept and the idea yeah. in a way where actually you Absolutely. begin to really, yeah, yeah. really figure out just what level of impact... Look, the people... Can I, I can tell you why this is a good question, because the people who ask this question are people who have been there and done it. Like, honestly, the people who have asked us this question, the, the few people out of the many we've seen, have been people who have built, one, marketplace businesses, and two have raised quite a lot of money. And, and ultimately, they're the people that have had to deal with other people coming in to try and take a piece of their And pie. they've also had to deal with probably investors who asked them that question. Yeah, exactly. So look, I 100% I, I think, I know I thought about it when we first heard the question, we're like, oh God, it's annoying, isn't it? But actually, I can tell you what, it's in my back pocket. And if anyone comes to me who wants money at one point, I'm going to go, how do you make this business defensible there, now, Jack? Uh, let me see your plans. But ultimately, <laughs> there, is no, there is no singular way uh, the point that I want to make with this and what we've tried to do in our slide when we answer this question is there is not one real way apart from the, uh, you know, the anomalies that makes a business defensible. Anyone can replicate anything. The barrier to entry, especially in our industry and many other industries, is so low now that, you know, it's really, it's really, really difficult to defend anything. It's like being a media company, right? You've got kids in their bedroom with a camera making films. Like, how is your film defensible? We're <laughs> like... I can film a film on an iPhone. It's like the barrier to entry for almost every business on a daily basis is getting lowered. Should That's be why I think it's the, yeah. the cocktail. But also like in the media landscape, when you're just in the process of pitching for work, when you get that work, it's very hard for anyone to really come up and take that work off of you unless there's a time period involved, which you have to do and you have to re-pitch or you're doing Absolutely. such a shit job. Whereas in this case... Everyone's going to be fucking coming for you. Yeah, yeah. 100%. We are, we are getting ready for it. Look, at the end of the day, you have to get ready for it. You have to arm up. It's going to be a bit We're of a war. We're ready for the war. It's going to be a bit of a war, and we just have to know that. And I think Not that's, the battle. That's going to be, that's something that we hear. Yeah, that's something that we've, that's transitioned in my thinking, definitely over the last, since we left off in last season, was what we're going into now is going to be a long old battle. And you have to be ready for it. And like I said, these are, these are part of the defensible walls around your castle you've got to try and make. And any brand that's, doing this and doing this well does this and has has to think on this level um they probably hold departments that are just there which maybe would be called an innovation department but really they're thinking of ways to innovate the business to stay ahead of the competition yeah. and i'm look this is going to transition i'm sure in a year's time you'll sit here and go have you done all those things what's next yeah. what else are you thinking about we did have a question didn't we come through from uh from rich from rich staplehurst he asked us a question around um if you get it up nish but i, I i'll try and remember it it was, um, what do you do to kind of protect your brand? Is there ways to protect it? Which is kind of similar to defensibility. But I think he's talking specifically about brand here. So there are obviously two ways of doing that. One which Matt mentioned, which is patents. 
you know, if you have an invent, inventive idea or something that's never been done, you can go through that that's system. On biz- that's business. That's on business. It's not brand. Sorry, but the brand-wise, you have to do trademarking. That's still an important step and something that obviously we're going through. So anyone out there... Shout out to all the haters trying to block the ting. Yeah. But, <laughs> There's a but, couple of you, we see you. But it's something that we've talked about briefly on before, but it's something that is one of the only ways that if you have a trademark, you can protect it. Because if someone started, for example, love the idea of Rebox and started just like, you know, putting a stamp of Rebox on boxes and going, oh, well, we're selling the phones. They can't do that. So that is a defensible way. And it is something that you have to do for any brands. If you're a fashion brand, you know, I know this happens a lot with knockoff fashion. You know, you can take people to court for that. So I think trademarking, although it could be costly for a startup, you know, you're talking thousands of pounds, it is something that every startup should be looking at. Shout out to Audi passing off all the big brands in the world, making me think that I'm getting Lurpak butter when in fact I'm not. I'm getting Delpak butter. That's called passing off. And they've actually successfully beaten everybody that have taken them to court for passing off. How? How? Let's get their trademark lawyers. It's incredible when you think about it. Do you know, have you been, have you seen no, an Audi? Seen, I haven't seen that. You know, there's one up there, isn't it? Everything in Audi, and this is probably why you've not realized it because you think that they're all the legit brands. I thought I had some Doritos the other day, not joking, the exact same branding packaging as the Doritos Chili Heat Wave. Moritos. Really? They weren't called Moritos, they were just called. What are hula hoops called? Ruler. Ruler hoops. Ruler Roller hoops. hoops. Yeah, no, but seriously, going to Audi, they rip off everything. Mayonnaise, you'll think you're picking up Hellman's. Dang but even Hellman's. in the world of fashion, right? You look at like the amount of fashion brands that have been like pioneered a certain style or look. Like I remember years ago, Super Dry, like oh, the Osaka yeah. tops and Super Dry. But then you'd go around to any Tom, Dick and Harry around the corner. Like you'd be able to find somebody that's very similar. Wale, Wale jeans, Wale and the many. Yeah. You remember those little dubs? Like, yeah. It happens a lot. I mean, I wouldn't want to go into that world of like trademarking. But just from a business and brand point of view, there are like 60 categories. There are multiple things in each of those categories. And then there's business and there is service a category, services category. So all I'm saying is that trademarking process, definitely look into it because it is something that takes you know a good few months. And if you're not going to do it yourself, a lot of learning, if you're going to hire a lawyer, it could be expensive. But that is one of the only ways you can really have the protection. We know a company that we worked for last year that had a name of a business um, that they went to trademark and somebody said, no, we've trademarked that name, took them to court and they lost and they had to redo all their branding last minute. This is licked. You know, our good friends licked, you know, they went for their original name, which I can't remember what the name was called now. Hooked. Hooked. And they had to, like, that's how important it was. And I spoke to them yesterday, actually, about this. And they were like, guys, honestly, it's a massive thing because if you have to change your brand name, it, it, you have to change your brand name because you won't be able to use it. And ultimately, you won't be able to sell the business if you can't use the brand name. And if I bring this back to something a bit dear to my heart, which is coffee, Aeropress. You know Aaron, uh, Alan Adler? So Ar- Alan Adler is the inventor of the Aeropress. He actually is... He invented something called Aerobi, which are these like flying discs, like a toy in America. He's an inventor. And he created the Aeropress just off of a whim. He was specialized in toys, created the Aeropress, and he patented, trademarked one, obviously the name Aeropress, but also the, the mechanic of an Aeropress, which is so simple. It is literally a plunger. And for me, it makes amazing coffee, but no one else has been able to... Cr- to do the Aeropress. Like, you can't buy knockoffs of the Aeropress. There's the Aeropress, and that is it. There's the one Aeropress. So, 
you know, this guy has sustained a business off of that one invention. And especially, if, uh, especially when you're inventing something, a patent is so crucial. If you look at, if you look at all of Apple's filings for the amount of things that they, um, they patent all the time. Dyson's as well is crazy. Dyson's like, it's so business, it's so crucial to business. So if your brand relies on, you know, a certain thing that you've designed, then you need to certainly patent it. And if there is a trademark lawyer here, out there who wants to um, help us fight some help battles. us help us or also wants to get some leads from all the people that are listening to Brand Entrepreneur potentially there's a deal to be done because you know it's something I'm really interested in because I do understand like I said the IP intellectual property of what we're trying to build is in brand and in system and is there ways to protect it it's something that um, yeah we need to we, we think about all the, I think about a lot definitely Sure. Um, from what makes this defensible because you know I I do think about the, when the business scales and people start seeing this work they put a Reebok sticker in their window and start taking phones in like how do we how do we protect even like, the customers there's going to be a lot of levels that we have to as a brand that we want to build trust with think about this on multiple levels and, so, and as someone that's designed countless logos for people nothing gives me greater pleasure than putting a little R in a circle next to a logo it's just great. It's a fantastic feeling when you know that there's that logo mark that you've come up with that is impenetrable, non-replicable. It's a, it's a good feeling. So just to wrap, so when it comes to considering what those things are that make your business or your idea defensible, where does one start with even trying to find or uncover those answers? Trademark. Go to the trademark office and just chuck in some keywords, Google, have a sniff around, see if anyone else is, one, using the words or the logos similar to you. Obviously, there's a business thing, which is a different, it's like, it's dependent on your business. Is somebody else doing that? Is it, have you created something that's truly unique that no one else has done and can you defend it? You know, it's not like building a table. In fact, some forms of table you can. If you come up with a specific mechanism for building a table, you can trademark that so no one else can do it. So it comes in loads of different forms. And then start to think about what your moats are. Like we've gone through our moats today, but what are yours? We call them moats because it's an easy way of us thinking about the action of being defensible. Um, and, then, and then start writing down because you will get asked that question. We've actually added the page in the deck because we got asked the question and thought, you know what? We'll put the page in the deck because then you're not going to ask us the question. Or if you do, we have the answer. Yeah. And we've even started it with like, we're going to create network effects by doing this. So people don't go, well, how does it create network effects? Shall I tell you what's not defensible? Saints defense. <laughs> I'm going to leave it on that. Nine? Nine and then three last night, four last night. I don't know. Don't talk Either to me way, about ten, it. Over 10 in two games. Do you know how proud I am that we've got back into the groove of these little not losing. pod sessions? Oh, right. It's been good. Well, look, follow and I'm so proud of you guys for listening. It means yeah. you've gone out of your way to find us. You've taken the, the good fight, the great journey. Um, we've had some really good feedback and I'm happy that you're here and I hope you're having a great day. Yeah. Stay up to date with all the latest. You can find us on social media, just at Branchpreneurs. Make sure you sign up for Coffee Mornings if you're in London. They're happening monthly. We're getting over 50 people at a time. This is great. Um, and uh, yeah, stay locked in. Um, review us, please. Just look, 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 look. How is it going on on iTunes? I think. Did you have you done your review yet, Nish? Five star review. Thank yeah. you, mate. Cheers. I really Even appreciate. If it's a bad it. review. All <laughs> reviews are created equal. Yeah. But we might get it taken down. We'll hey. we'll see you next week on the grind. Yes, people. Thanks for blessing us with your ears. 
tell us what you think keep us in the loop we'd love to get your stories questions and any topics you want us to discuss make sure you hit us up and leave a review on the podcast and we'll see you next week a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.